0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Well Played Podcast, a podcast all about playful learning. Together, we explore the power of learning through play and finding the joy in the journey. With me, I have Jason Howes, and his Twitter handle is at Mr. H Experience. And together, we are going to be chatting about lesson planning in the gamified class. Uh, but before we do, let's uh, have Jason introduce himself. All right.
1: Well, hi there Mike. It's good to be here. Um Happy to have you. I'm relatively new to the uh the gamification community, but I've uh, learned a ton from you and uh and a number of the people you've had on this podcast. So, I'm excited to be here. I'm a grade 8 teacher in uh Saskatchewan, Canada, so it's uh it's fun to to be on your podcast today.
0: Uh it's great having you. Uh I love having people that are sort of new to gamification cuz I'll be honest, I'm so far removed from being new to gamification <laughs> that sometimes like, it's hard for me to always like think it through. So I love having the people that are right there at the, the cusp just starting yeah. out or just has started. Um, I do also have to say, just for fun, I'm proud to say that this is Well Played's 50th podcast. Hey, that's yeah. good. Woo, the old five zero are coming up on a year here.
1: Right on. Well, I'm actually I'm excited to be new to something too because I'm in my seventeenth year of teaching. I don't get to say I'm new to things very often, so uh,
0: that's 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 a fun way to look at it too. You know, like it's uh, rejuvenating. I think to to sort of yeah start over and start anew, um, especially if you're not switching jobs, because yeah. you know then you can you can have all that content expertise in what you've been teaching. And then add this layer of gamification over the top, which is really absolutely. what we're talking about today. Is like sort of going through that planning. Like, whew, how did you, how do you start? How does, how do you even just do a a gamified lesson plan? What do you have to think about? Where do you get inspiration? We have so many questions to go over.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely changed everything about how I've planned for my own classroom. Right? It's it's uh, it's not very similar. I tweeted out the other day. Um, a couple of D&D books uh, and some board games. And so and that tends to be a starting point, right? And I never would have ever said that before, but, but that tends to be where I'm at these days.
0: I loved it. I, I remember seeing that tweet come across where you had like three D&D books kind of splashed yeah. out and you're like, starting my lesson planning. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, but actually, much like you, that is i I begin my lesson planning now in all sorts of crazy and off the wall places and I think it's because maybe it's because you and I are both veteran teachers I got the content down like I don't yeah i don't I don't need another like idea of how to teach like Greek mythology, but I need like new game and mechanics new ways to like sort of lay it out there so absolutely I, i'll I'll find inspiration in sort of the wackiest places from. TV reality TV shows with their little like minute to minute challenges, to D and D books, to board games or card games—really, just about anything other than concept.
1: Oh, I know. I. I... I remember when I was first introducing the game to my students and went through what some of the source material was, you know, you're, you're talking Tolkien books, you're talking Legend of Zelda, and it's, it's stuff yes. that doesn't really connect very deeply to most of the content I teach. But, uh, but yeah, when you're talking about the overall approach and the, the explorative direction we take things in, that's, that's the exciting part, right? So we're just adding a layer of narrative.
0: That's right. I'll, I mean, and that's what I usually try to talk about when I go to conferences and stuff is we're just, we're giving it this kind of new context. Everything you're doing is now in the context of the game and the game world. And I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day talking about how I feel like this context is the equivalent of how... Uh, a lot of times English teachers talk about wanting to have authentic audiences. like it can't be you can't just have your paper be turned into the teacher. I think theme applied to your game is is a, almost another example of having an authentic audience. Like the students also feel much more driven to to sort of succeed and perform with inside the game. Couldn't agree more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So. We've, did, uh... We've opened up a couple of new options in our game, and uh, we, with our map, and we had a, a couple of students set sail to new areas this week. And that's uh, it was pretty cool, right? It was it, they don't really know what they're in for. I do, but uh, but they don't, and it's it's exciting to see that, right? So
0: that's pretty awesome. I have to admit, sometimes in my game, I also don't know what they're in for. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I'm literally like, I create something because it looks cool, and it's like, I'll figure it out later. <laughs> But
1: don't you find that freeing? I do. Like, I, I actually like. I know there's a lot of moving parts there, but I I totally find that to be a freeing aspect to my planning. Right? The the idea that you know things can shift at any time, that's okay. That's uh, that's no big deal. Whether I choose to inform the the students of that or not, but is is uh, debatable. But like I I actually really like that element of chaos and mystery. It's uh, it's a great piece.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's. I think the students sort of feed off that, and they. It actually makes it all that much more adventurous, you know. And yeah, for that's it, a good word for it. And for me, like you said, I think freeing's the right word, as you used, in, in my lesson plans or designs. The sky's the limit. I think before I used to think of students as like, well, I have these rules and these procedures in place. Everything has to sort of move, the whatever way I set it. When we went back to school, that's the way it's got to be now for 180 yeah. days. Um, and obviously, there's strength in having some procedures and some familiarity, but it's really freeing with inside this game world when you really can lesson plan and design and change on a dime, and you just wrap it into that theme, and kids are typically like ready for the adventure
1: yeah i mean we're still looking at you know what are the what are the skills we're looking for them to demonstrate but at the same time you're looking for those opportunities for collaboration that you maybe didn't have as a focus before you're looking for you know the idea of growth mindset being embedded into into the lesson itself rather than just being a, a piece of your you know classroom philosophy now it's physically a part of your your structure and I, I absolutely love having that as a component to what we what we do day to day.
0: Yeah, I love I love your language there that it's just embedded. It's it's physical. Yeah. Um so when you are starting to lesson plan, when you you know, I mean your game's up and running, kids are with inside that game world, where do you I guess first look for for getting some sort of new idea to your game whether it be some sort of theme element or some sort of new power up is there is there mm-hmm. a source that you just love to tap into
1: I would say probably my first stop would be Twitter. Um, I mean, not just the uh, XPLAP um, community. That's obviously a great place to go. Uh, but I also, with my uh, on my game feed account, I follow a lot of game developers that have nothing to do with education. But the little pieces that they uh, tend to show, uh, I get a lot of inspiration from that. Whether it's a tabletop or a video game or, or anything like that um, a lot of pieces that I've used have come from, from those directions as well right
0: yeah I think it's good to also like you're saying look outside the education bubble um, I think it's obviously wonderful to follow other educators who are doing what you're doing having a successful and powerful PLN is is smart
1: Absolutely crucial I mean on my on my Twitter banner, I have the that famous quote from Zelda that it's dangerous to go alone, right, and I believe that that's huge in education too, right? This is not a one person job, no matter who you are. Uh, you need that p l n for sure
0: yeah, and I think like some of my best ideas are when they're cross pollinated with other people or other industries, like right, like when I think well beyond sort of the normal scope of, I guess in this case, a lesson plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. What's, I, what's the theme of your game so that people listening kind of get a little feel for yours?
1: Uh, so our game is a little bit complex. Uh, so it, my game is called Age of Heroes, and it's basically you know three different elements to it. So we started off the year just using Classcraft. Um, and that was my, that was the extent of my gamification, and I still really like that tool. At this point, it's my accounting system, it's my home base for quests, and and, uh, it's where my students have their avatars and things like that, but now we have um, items and power-ups that are kind of similar to Magic the Gathering um, that students can collect and use and distribute within their guild, and then we've got a tabletop aspect as well, which is actually, on my whiteboard uh, with magnets and stuff like that. And that's our way of mapping the physical world that we're in, right? So they travel through that uh, as they complete their quests in the classroom.
0: That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I like it. Uh, And then when you are looking for, like, in your lessons, do you, um, a, a lot of times people with gamification talk about sort of carrot and stick behavioral management sort of thing, which sure, I, oh man, like I feel like that's just surface level gamification, but that's yeah. where a lot of people know about it. Um, but I'm curious, so when you're designing a single lesson, like a, for a day, mm-hmm. do you embed any sort of badges or items that they can win during that day?
1: I mean, maybe if it was a unique opportunity, if there was something something we've been working towards, um, sure. But I don't generally associate badges with the day to day. Badges would be more like the uh, the quest completion for our class. Uh, you know, the XP, GP, uh, those kind of aspects would be part of our day to day language. Um, but again, like I started the, the year with just giving basically independence points, right? And so if you were showing me those behaviors, we were tacking on uh, XP and, and stuff like that. But it's definitely evolved from that. I don't usually give those independence points any longer. Um, the value just doesn't seem to be there anymore. The students are, you know, the focus has shifted so far towards the collaborative spirit and the the group effort that it's sort of redundant for me to give those at this point. So a lot of the points that we give out day to day are going to be, you know, for maybe, you know, we've got optional side quests that some would complete. Um, maybe the group worked well to get past an obstacle, uh, those kind of things, right?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm very similar. So at the beginning of the year, and which is true to a lot of video games, beginning of the year, I might give out some of these sort of daily points or whatever just right. just so they get how the machine works like right like so they it's, see it's
1: such a different mechanism right
0: yes so i want them to see that like see by gaining this experience point which which for some of them that's a new term you know mm-hmm. they see like oh i leveled up and by leveling up oh i got some gold like well what does gold do so i want them i i got to get them to see the machine in action so but much like you said quickly it drops off from there and i don't have to Um, I don't have to give that daily points anymore. And I, that, that goes away pretty quickly. And we move on to sort of the bigger, broader view of gamification that I love, that it is that collaborative spirit. It is working towards the overall sort of goal or mission going on some individual side quests. Um, now that's a, that's a planning sort of question. A lot of people ask about side quests. How how do you lay yours out? Is it, boom, here are all the side quests for the unit? Is do they get released sort of throughout the unit? How do you I
1: usually yeah I usually have my side quests embedded within the unit itself, but I tend to have them unlocked as they complete parts of it. I'm not a big fan of the of the um, you know out of context side quest nor do I really want them to necessarily start that right away Um, my side quests tend to be you know based on some prerequisite learning that they've already done or some readings that they've already uh, accomplished and so you know we don't want to start and then end up in the wrong direction but so I I tend to have them um, maybe unlock a side quest that uh, after achieving a certain stage
0: nice uh, for me, I like to put the side quests, so I have kind of a list of side quests they can do at the start yeah, of each unit. And then, but then there's a lot, kind of like you're saying, that are doled out sort of throughout. And it's, an, it's a nice mix for those achiever type students that want to like get the ball rolling right away. There's something for mm-hmm. them to work on. And for the others that need a little more context, the ones that sort of come with, the readings and that kind of stuff uh I tend to engage them more yeah uh yeah
1: I'd like to. I like that's one thing when we're talking about planning for for gamification I really like the idea of focusing on different player types and I know you can't push every player into a box um, but I really like having something there for those achievers and for the explorers um, you know those kinds of competitors they they are looking for something individual. So as much as you can differentiate the, the learning that's that's taking place for your students themselves, you can also differentiate for player type as you get to know what your class kind of demands from that and what they get the most joy from
0: Yeah. Looking at the player types for me, when when we're talking about planning for gamification, I have to admit it's huge. Um, and there are lots of different models, some more complicated models. I do mm-hmm. really like the basic four model one because, to be honest, it's a little easier for me to hold myself, my feet to the fire. If you start to do some of these that have six, eight different player types, it gets a little it gets a little hard for me to say, like, did I hit that one? Did I not do that one? For sure. Like, having these four, and I have to say I've had great success concentrating on the four, Achiever, Socializer, um, Explorer, and then Conqueror. Uh, it, yeah, yeah. It's really like, do you find it, do you find
1: it hard to plan for the ones that you are not yourself? Like I find as an explorer, I, that tends to be where my planning centralize. It's hard for me to build in, you know, any sort of elements of PVP or things like that. Right. But I, I have to make that pointed effort to do so, but it's, that's not who I am as a player. And so that comes as more of a challenge for me.
0: Definitely. I mean, I play to my strength and that I'm an explorer like you, so I like putting in the little Easter eggs and the little things people yeah. to, to find, and I like making my game bigger and bigger and bigger for those explorers to go out and find yeah. <laughs> more and more and more. but uh you are right. Uh, I think if I was to rank them, explore is easiest for me then achiever's easy because i I mean it's just mm-hmm. put put more things out there for them to do and achieve and earn, so I guess that might even be easier than explore, yeah. but uh. I think socializer is actually the easiest after that because I give a lot in my gamified class. I give a lot more group work than I ever gave before, more opportunities for them to collaborate and work together. And then, with inside the theme, there's more and more reason for them to collaborate. Yeah. Uh, so then that leaves the conqueror, like the player versus player. Like, that's hard because my whole game is sort of structured around like collaboration, at least within the class period. Yeah.
1: But if I think of one element that my students enjoy the most, it tends to be that element. And it's uh, it's frustrating. But I'm hoping that as I continue, I eventually get better at this uh, at that stage because it is a challenge. Right, but we have you know different uh, different power-ups that you know will accommodate that PvP. We had a a student use um, a card that allowed them to embody the uh, the creature that another guild was battling. Um, They had the time of their life, and I mean, it was the simplest thing ever, but it wasn't the kind of thing that comes naturally to me. So I'm hoping that that is an area that I will.
0: All right, so let's let's talk about that a little bit. So explain that one more time so you're doing like a battle or something of a beast and one group gets to like play the role of the beast
1: well they had a card that they played um that allowed them to embody so during a creature battle if a guild is battling a creature you can take on the role of that creature and you know it doesn't do any more than just allow them to do those dice rolls but it was it was a blast uh, yeah, it was the very simple mechanic. There was nothing to it, but it was just, you know... That's kind of cool, though.
0: Down. I like that. That's also giving more ownership of the game over to the student in, in that, like, maybe I would imagine if they didn't play that card, you are playing the role of the creature, so you're rolling for all the creature die. Sure. Right? So, like, that's just more opportunity for them to be engaged in the game. That's an excellent one. For all of they you also, listening, like... That's a a sweet (laughs) one. I'm adding it to my game. You should all be adding it to your game. Right
1: on. They love those sabotage elements, too.
0: They do? Well, that's... Really, when you look at... And now I'm going to nerd out here for a minute. When you look at some of the (laughs) most successful board games, they're the ones that have high player interaction, right? Parallel play is not as fun as actual, like, confrontational play um, Mm -hmm. in board games, at least for successful sales. It's always the ones that have... High like player interaction, yeah. So, but I'm with you. Building in sort of successful, tasteful player versus player is challenging. I have some good mini games that do it. That's probably where my game gets the like most direct. Is a lot of my items do things for our review for our review games. So you know, like skips skips a team's turn, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like they. They really like being able to say, like, ooh, I have a spear, and that lets us, you can throw it, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, that means that you skipped a player's turn. But then there are, like, things that can counteract that. So, like, just a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of gotchas, if you will.
1: I've got one guild in my classroom that is absolutely plotting every single item that they've got. They're, they kind of have built in different hypothetical scenarios that if this happens we're playing that card and it's it's hilarious to watch they're putting so much work into into the the planning of the use of their items but uh they're they're dead set on on holding on to those items until the right time
0: i love it so now when we so if people are listening to this and they're they're thinking about planning out a unit a lesson whatever level um you know, hearing us talk and jam out about some of our items and these player interaction. Uh, how much of that did you feel like you needed to have in place before you started?
1: I think for me, the biggest piece that was uh, that was missing for me was the just the idea of what did it look like in my classroom day to day. And that's definitely evolving every day. Um, you know, I, have been telling everybody that, you know, we are, we are absolutely in play test mode. I know it's, I know it's part of our classroom, but we are still kind of in beta, uh, where we're working out the kinks on this thing. But I needed to have some kind of structure that I was happy with. Of what did it look like, um, before I could start as for the individual items, I don't think that was necessarily the biggest component that we, uh, that we had. Uh, I mean, starting simple is a great way to go because you don't necessarily need to go all in before you start. That makes it harder to change direction if you decide to.
0: Yeah. I I really liked your language there about how, like, you just needed a structure that made sense to you, right, to at least move forward into. Um, and I think I mean, that's some wise words. Like, for those of you listening, like, you don't need to have every detail. You don't need to have every item. You don't even need to know like all the little layers and intricate things. You just need to kind of have a general base understanding. Like, what are the yeah. you know? Are you doing teams or not doing teams? Like, and and why why do you want to do this, right? And and
1: is because this is uh, this is definitely a, an educational approach that you know I had been reading a ton about, and I knew that you know if there's something that is going to to push the growth mindset conversation in my class it's going to be gamification but i i think that you don't want to get into something like this uh, just because you know you read that some students are are enjoying it so you need to be able to sell it yourself you need to be able to believe in that and why you're doing it
0: i couldn't agree more like you you are as the teacher in a gamified class you are sort of the source point for the entire game including its passion if you are not excited <laughs> about it like no way is a kid going to be excited i mean i love to like unlock a piece of my game in front of the students whether that's an item i'm handing out whether that's a new challenge they've never heard of i love to sort of i mean the kids can see it on my face i'm getting all excited it's like boom oh, I know. like you you are the first person to get this item or like Oh, my gosh! We have the craziest, zaniest challenge today, guys, like you know th- but you have to bring that so if if you're just yeah. doing it because somebody told you to gamify your class, that won't work.
1: It's gonna be a hard sell, whereas in my classroom, the phrase that my students use is never not nerdy um it's it's constantly pushing that nerdy level to the uh to the max so I love with it. eye rolls included, constant eye rolls,
0: but they do it, and like. I, I don't know, like kids, what like, what's the alternative? I guess that's the other thing I I just say, like when when Good people question. are like when people are like, well, I don't think my kids will like it. I, mean, I hate to break it to you, the kids probably don't like what they got right now either. So like, yeah. I think in the end they're like, well, this is this is different. This is playful. As you said, they start to feel like that autonomy, and mm-hmm. it's worth the planning. It's worth the
1: absolutely effort. engagement is so crucial to what we do.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. For like going back to planning specifically, a technique I use uh, often in in the way I work, and it's truly the way I work for almost anything I do. Even if I'm planning like a presentation or a lesson, I have to, for me, start with the creative side. Mm-hmm. And, and we're all different so maybe this suggestion won't work for you guys but I need to first be playful myself <laughs> before I can do kind of the boring things so like last week I was doing a new presentation for a, a place I was presenting at, and when I sat down to build out the presentation I didn't start with the bullet points I didn't start with the like you know what do I want to talk about first then second then third I didn't even I didn't even start with an outline First thing I started with was a blank presentation and I, I built like the graphic, like I built the look of the slide before I did anything else. Uh, so sometimes I would suggest like being playful with your planning, like look at a picture, like if, you're, if your setting is medieval times, like go on the internet and search that and just look, just look and just say like, if, if that was a video game, if I could exist inside that. What would I be feeling? What would I be touching? What would I be hearing? What would I hope to get? What, uh, what would I be scared of? All of those could be launching points for your lesson or unit. Like, ooh, I'd be scared of a dragon coming. Well, maybe that could be in your storyline that a dragon comes and we have to do this activity to defeat the dragon. But like it came from, for me, that picture, that, that exploration.
1: For sure, and I'm a huge fan of dungeons in uh, in my class, and I, I I do get very nerdy with my narrative around dungeons. But I always start monster first, right? And that tends to dictate the uh, the design of that dungeon, everything they're going to encounter, and yeah. So so I go monster first when it comes to some of those challenges, and I think that's really inspiring sometimes.
0: I love it. Um, I once was told too uh, about we should always be doing the ABCs of learning and that's activity before content. Right. Mm. So like put that, put that sort of get them learning through, through action, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, And then I like that. And then from that action, they're going to naturally want to know the content because they're going to hit their own limitations and, and need the vocab, need the like words to describe what they're feeling. So, the um i cannot believe it but like we're we're at the end that's we're wild at, we're at reflection right like it just it goes uh we're gonna have to do this again sometime i was gonna say like that's just it's just a must it's just a like it's gonna, we might even have to do part two because i feel like there's so much more i could talk about and you i know you're dripping with ideas on this um But we do, we have this reflection time. So before before we round this thing out, we got this quote here. I want to read it to you and see how it sort of strikes you. You ready? Yeah. Unless commitment is made, there are only promises and hopes, but no plans.
1: You're going very deep on that. (laughs) I I absolutely agree with that. I I think in in my own path for gamification, uh, I spun my wheels for a few years. I wanted to figure things out. I was reading uh, everything I could get my hands on, just to kind of get my own sense. But it wasn't until I actually, you know, dove in and, and brought this into my own learning environment that it became real, right? It just was an idea up until that point. And so making it physical takes commitment. So, absolutely I agree.
0: Yeah, no, I phew, I'm right there with you. I mean, we we all talk about what we want to do or I wish I could do, but it's it's the commitment. It's that taking that first step in for whatever you want to do in your classroom or in your life. It's yeah. it's the moment that you commit that matters. So, and
1: if it's worth it, it's scary, right? It's it's not an easy step to make.
0: I like that, right? I mean, I'm a big fan, and I talk about with my students about taking calculated risks and being risk takers. Uh, it's important because most of the things in life that you're sort of the most proud of involved some level of risk. You know that you you took a chance on something, mm-hmm. and you know, well, hopefully it paid off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I really, really, really appreciate having you on the show today, Jason.
1: It's my pleasure, Mike.
0: Uh, like you said, we must do this again. Uh, for all of you listening out there, I hope you start to, you know, design your own game. Start to get out there and realize, like Jason said, you, you just got to start putting it in motion. You got to start, I think, seeing it in action. Yeah,
1: and start small.
0: That's right. Always start. I always say start small, but dream big. Right. Big. They- it's it's in it's like you you can't have something turn into a reality until you start dreaming about it, but you got to start. So start small, dream big. Well, everybody, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, don't forget to check out explorelikeapirate.com dot com for all sorts of vlogs, blogs, podcasts, whatnot. Uh, also, would love it if you subscribe to my new YouTube channel, which is youtube dot com slash mr matera. It's got all sorts of stuff on there from gamification to just general ed stuff. And as always, thank you so much for listening. It's truly an honor having you listen, learn, and play with us each and every week. And it's the 50th. Right so on. Thank you for 50 shows, everybody. Many of you have been there since the beginning. Some of you are like new, but I know you're binge listening. I know it. I know it. So <laughs> thank you very much. And again, Jason, thank you. Thank you.